Hola, hola, familia. This is your girl, Odalis Jasmine, and y'all are tuning into Hello Latino. Today, I'm talking to my girl, Kristen Dreher, a faith follower, fourth-generation Mexican-American, and soon-to-be mama of two. Kristen is all about connection, community, and storytelling. And right now, she's currently a communications professional and has worked for both Google and LinkedIn. But when she's not working, she is all about la familia. In this episode, Kristen talks about breaking generational cycles, what it took for her to feel comfortable leaning into her Latinidad being fourth generation, and what she calls the biggest identity shift she ever went through, becoming a parent. Let's jump right in. So Kristen, I am so excited that you're here for so many reasons, because I think you just, I know what at one point we talked about you don't identify as first and Latina. You're actually third or the third generation? Fourth Fourth generation. And I think you just have such a beautiful story of being fourth generation Latina, still owning your Latinidad. And also, I mean, it's what I like to think about it as like, this is the future generation that we will one day have in our family. Like you are the face of that fourth generation to me. And you also just talk about motherhood and that's what I'm more excited to explore with you and for for everyone who's listening context Kristen will be starting at some point throughout her life a podcast dedicated to mothers this is for everyone to send good energy (laughs) now I have to I'm happy you're here I'm happy (laughs) you're here though thank you for having me Jasmine I feel so incredibly honored just to be here I think what the work you're doing and how you see people's stories, but also validate them is so empowering. And I think you're making people more confident in their identity and their stories. So I'm just like, honestly, so honored to be here. Oh, thank you, girl. I'm also realizing my hoops are like digging into my ears. So I'm going to take them off. <laughs> it's so That's not like with me. no hoops. What is this? I know. I don't know who she is, but Kristen... I already know this conversation is going to be amazing. Let's jump into it. I want to start with the first question that I ask every guest, and that's how do you identify and why? First off, I just have to say, I think the fact that this is your question, the first question is so hilarious because most interviews are like, let's start with the easy stuff and like get into it. And you're like, no, give me the good stuff up front. Right. (laughs) Right. I'm like, be vulnerable right at the second. <laughs> so, um, geez, this is a hard question to answer because huh, we, um, our identity is evolving, right? And personally, I've never been interested in just being one thing. Ever since I was little, I could remember, like, I never just wanted to be one constant thing for the rest of my life. So I look at my my identity as like very multifaceted. So like first, I identify as a child of God. I was raised in the church. It means a lot to me. I have a strong relationship with God. It looked different throughout my life, but that's one of the pillars of who I am and how I plan to raise my children too with that influence of a relationship with God. Not the, I'm a perfect Christian and look at what I'm doing, more having faith and like, leaning on God in hardship and just counting your blessings, that kind of, that's the kind of relationship I have with God. And then from my nationality, I'm American. I was born here in America 
And it's funny because my entire life, I actually thought I was first gen the way I was raised. Oh, wow. Because just the way my parents acted and stuff. But I was raised in Silicon Valley, white suburbia, working class parents. And in Silicon Valley, everybody, everybody had money. So not my family. We was my parents made it work, but it was, it was just a really interesting upbringing because I've always identified, even though I was born here in America, as other because I didn't feel American. And then that leads me to like my cultural heritage, which I identify as Latina, which has been really hard though because just as I said, even though I was born here in America, my parents were born here in America. There's a lot of Mexican influence in our lives, and like before parts of where my family was born was considered the United States, I think my entire family has struggled with this identity. Like, are we Mexican? Are we American? Which one do we need to fit into? So as I started family planning and getting into my 20s, that Latina part of me became more and more important because I wanted to pass down something to my children. I don't want my children just to be this American identity, which there's, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, if that's who you are, that's who you are. But my, my children have a very rich history. And unlike me, when I was growing up, I was taught to like assimilate. And I don't want them to assimilate. I want them to be proud of where they come from and find beauty and difference and diversity and the perseverance of their family. Wow. What a beautiful answer. Okay. That is I'm just listening to you in awe because I think that the way that you just phrase all of that, the vulnerability it took to say that, I'm just giving you your flowers in this moment because it was such a beautifully said answer. And I want to unpack and go deeper into what you were talking about growing up in Silicon Valley. I think it's always important to understand the environment and when we in which we grow up because it affects so much of who we are and how we move in the world. Definitely. And I mean, you grew up and you stayed in the San Jose, Silicon Valley area. Like, walk me through what, it, what did it look like and feel like when little Kristen was running around thinking she was just this working class Latina family, you know, compared to all the folks that were around her. Paint that picture for us. So, like, working or growing up in Silicon Valley, you're exposed to, like, so much richness in just technology and diversity and perspective of thought. But my family always wanting to give, my parents in particular, always wanting to give your kids more than you had, put us in a very like white neighborhood, white school, highly academic. And there was this hyper, super focus on like achievement. And like college was like not even a question. Like we're, we're all going to college so we could have like the financial security and future our parents wanted for us. But it was interesting because like in school, my friends were like, you know, they lived these like lavish lifestyles. There was extras wow. and like their first cars were like Mercedes and like BMWs. And like my first car was like a 94 Ford Mustang that I bought that I was so proud. I, I had to okay. do the repairs. <laughs> I had to pay for all the repairs and that's how I bought it. But I did it on my own and I was really proud of that. So, you know, this stuff builds character. And that's what I'm telling my girls. I put, but that's what I'm telling. Oh, spoiler alert, Jasmine, it's another girl on the way. <laughs> oh my god the drear girls <laughs> um but it was just there was just this clear difference of upbringing 
And like my parents were really strict. We weren't allowed to do like after school stuff for like sleepovers or like all this stuff because my parents' way of protecting us was literally just like keeping us physically as close as possible. So I I actually think I had a really sheltered upbringing for growing up in one of the most like cool technology speaking places in the world. So yeah, it was just, it was interesting. I've always, and I meant to say this earlier, but one part of why I really struggle with saying like I'm Latina is because I don't speak Spanish. And it's not for a lack of trying because I've tried many times and that's why I'm trying to help Island now because as you get older, it's just so much harder. And then when you do have the courage to try, fluent Spanish speakers are like, you didn't say it right. And you're like, okay, I'll never say it again. <laughs> I'm sorry. Sorry for trying. Um, but my dad, he speaks Spanish and my mom speaks Spanglish and she thinks she's very good at it, by the way. Shout out, mom. <laughs> I'm sure she is. <laughs> but my dad, I'll never forget when he told me, he's like, and when I asked him, like, Dad, why didn't you teach us Spanish? Like, I felt the penalty for being, for not being able to speak Spanish. And my dad was like, Kristen, I never taught you Spanish because I wanted no one to ever see you as other. I wanted you just to have no disadvantages against you, which is wild for me to think now because, like, all the advantages of speaking another language are so beneficial, right? Just, like, right. jobs, perspective of thinking, connection, community. But my dad was really keen on just making us like live this American dream and didn't want us to feel other. But the conundrum of all of that to husband was I felt like other my entire life. I was never like white enough and I was never Mexican enough. So I always identified as other. So it's kind of funny as like a parent when you're trying to protect your kid from something and that actually ends up happening. So, Wow, that's so... That's such an interesting lived experience that I think it's it there's there's a difference between what our parents went through and what we go through. And it's such an intergenerational lived experience that's so different because I mean, my parents were immigrants. They were of the perspective of my mom never learned English to this day and doesn't really care to, because similar to you she would try and English speakers would say, you didn't say that right. And so she said, okay, I'll stop trying. And so she never learned it. My dad did learn it and he still has this heavy accent. But for them, navigating a world in which they spoke Spanish, and I'm sure your dad dad or mother probably dealt with the same thing, of feeling othered in this world and being looked at very differently because it was seen as a disadvantage. They were seen as someone that wasn't, didn't belong in these positions. And I think so much of what they tried to do for us is protect us from all of the things that they experienced, yet we're navigating a very, very different lived experience as trying to own our culture and own, own our roots, but not feeling like we belong in that community either. And it's, it's exactly what you're saying. Like, you don't you're not you were never white enough and you were never Latina enough and so you're still othered. And it's just a uh, it's just that like it's just knowing that our, our parents experience something so different and how much they just try to protect us from it. There's like a beauty in that and there's also like hope for me that Isla, 
and my future baby when they're older and it comes to their identity and their experience with diversity and just acceptance that it's not going to be like that. It's going to just be like pride, like overfilling of pride. Right, and I, right. I really, really want that for my girl. <laughs> I got used to saying that um, because it was, it was hard. It was hard as a kid to not like feel that my family has overcome so much and just to not feel that like, what was the sacrifice for, you know? And like, I really want my baby to know like just the rich history of it all. Yeah, I love that. And I think, you know, I I was just talking to someone who's going to be on my podcast very soon. He grew up in the 70s as a Latino man in Texas. And he said, you know, it wasn't always cool to be Latino. And so he doesn't speak Spanish either and talks about how he was told by his parents, like, don't be the the kid with an accent in school, like speak proper English, right? Because again, it wasn't seen as a, I guess, like, quote, unquote, cool thing to accept your identity. He's like, he told me very honestly and vulnerably, he's like, there's times where I envy this new generation of Latinos that are really stepping into who they are because he's like, I wish I had that. And I he wishes he can give it to his kids and he is trying to do that now. But it's just, again, that difference of how we grow up, where we grow up, what year we grow up. All of that affects everything. And it, I love what you just said, Kristen, because you're saying, I'm going to break that cycle and give my girls that privilege of owning who they are and that identity because it starts with you owning yours. And 100%. that's just the beauty of like, this generational freedom that we can give our kids and our future generations. Cause I think we're it breaking starts with generational cycles. <laughs> I'm saying, girl, I'm saying, and, and there's so much beauty to that. And there's beauty to understanding where that comes from for, for our parents, for our grandparents, for our people. Again, it, it's a different world that they lived in. Girl, do you know how many times I've gone on TikTok and I've seen these women that are not Latina that say, oh, when people think I'm Latina because I love to dance or people think I'm Latina because I'm beautiful or people think I'm Latina because I'm like, it reminds me, there's a Bad Bunny song where he says, todos quieren ser Latinos pero le falta la sazón, which means like everyone wants to be Latin, but they just don't have the flavor. <laughs> it is what it is. <laughs> And it's so true. It's so true. I, I I think that there's this like weird fetish or like thing now of everyone wanting to be a Latino. But there's also beauty in that because we're showing who we are and mm-hmm. we're showing that we are this we're beautiful up, community. Girl. <laughs> showing up. Yes. And I'll tell you, I I love Mexican culture because third, fourth, fifth, sixth generation Mexican-American have so much pride in their roots like you do right now. And I think that's, it's almost like inspiring and motivating. Like, you know, Mexican culture got it right. They got it down. <laughs> I'm taking that. <laughs> we do do a lot of things. Right. I, I really, yeah. I One thing we've done in my family, which we've done ever since I could remember, Christmas time, all the women get together and we make tamales from scratch and we make like a bunch of them. And it's this beautiful tradition and tribute to our culture. And I can't wait to get my daughters involved in this. And it's like everything that brings family together, I feel like, is the the heart of Mexican culture because we're such family-centric people. Right. And food, girl. girl. 
the food. <laughs> you said tamale. I'm like, oh, that sounds so good. But I want to I want to make you some you, this year. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes, please. Yes. And I'll give you some Honduran tamales because mm-hmm. they're so yummy. But I wanted to I think this is a very beautiful conversation for so many reasons, because I think sometimes we forget that our future generations are going to have a very different experience than the first gen generation. And when I say that, it's because a lot of when I ask this question of like, how was navigating school for you or how was navigating these spaces? I hear a lot of stories about ESL students or people who felt like their accent almost worked against them. And I think, again, it comes from almost a place of hurt and trauma that we try to make it different for our future generations. And that's where the assimilation comes from and all of the things that we're taught. And it's beautiful, Kristen, that you're sharing this different experience because my boyfriend deals with the same thing of being Latino but not speaking Spanish and not feeling like you quite fit in the community or that you're seen as othered in the community because you don't have language. You have that language barrier. Talk to me about when you started to own and take your Latinidad while you're growing up in this in this environment where you felt like, I, am I Latina enough? Because I don't speak Spanish. Like, how did you navigate some of these moments in your life, and how did you start to own your identity? I, honestly, it didn't. It didn't really take shape until like my twenties, because I think in, like when you're in school, you're so impressionable. And if you're told something enough, you eventually believe it, right? So even my friends, like I had Vietnamese friends and black friends, and they would tell me like, but you're white. I'm like, oh, what? And it would just be like this perplexing thing. Like that's how people viewed me. And I'm like, but, but no. <laughs> right. right. So it was really confusing. And, I, and it wasn't until like, my 20s when I got more curious about it and I started asking my parents like more questions about our history because it wasn't these weren't stories we grew up with like Niha your do- your grandfather did all these amazing things right. in the war and for you you know it was any of that it was like fit in get a good education get financial security and be successful like have more than we had that was like the nar- indirectly the narrative we were told as kids right so there wasn't any urgency to figure this out. It wasn't until I actually just got exposed to, pe- to seeing people owning their identity, Latinos, and it, it inspired me. It's like, wait a minute, like, I need to figure out where I come from, who I am, all of this stuff. And then it became mission critical <laughs> once we had kids, because like I said, I don't want to pass down nothing to them because then it's like the end of your family lineage. So it's, I have just been, I've been asking my parents lots of questions lately and digging into just like, what does this mean for us? And what does this look like for our family? But I mean, this long-winded way of answering your question is like, it's hard to own your Latin identity when you're young. When so many people are telling you like, what they think you are and you're just you know we're all just like yeah okay if that's what you think (laughs) right like you said we're so young we are impressionable we are we don't know right and I think it's it's just such a it's such an interesting time in our lives where we don't have any access to information like you said our parents don't tell us at seven years old like 
Okay, Jasmine, Kristen, this is who you are. You're first generation. I'm an immigrant. Like we don't have those conversations. Right, right. And you start to learn it and take pieces of information as you grow up. And I'm curious because I, I like smiled when you said you talked to your parents and asked them so many questions because I feel like there's so much power in asking your parents questions. Like I learned that few years ago when I, I mean, this is the inspiration behind the podcast. I sat down with my parents for the first time and I was like, tell me about my grandmother, my grandfather. Tell me about you as a kid growing up. I mean, I asked them all the same questions I asked people on the podcast. And I think that was a moment even for them to pass down information. And to this day, I call my parents like our museum of information, like and we should we should take it all in, all this knowledge, all this history, all this connection to where we come from, because like you said, you don't want that to die down. You don't want that to be erased. You want to hold on to all those pieces of you. I'm curious, what are the top things that you learned from your parents while asking those questions that just, I don't know, like salient pieces of information? My dad, I... I'm really fortunate to have such a good relationship with both my parents. Like, I, 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 <laughs> I hope they wouldn't disagree, but I was like a really good kid. I was like a really good kid, but I've always had like a good relationship with them. And my dad in particular, his story is just a story. Uh, he's an overcomer. He's just like the strongest, and I might cry. <laughs> most successful person in my eyes and like everything I do it's it's with me thinking in the back of my mind like you know everything my dad did I don't want it to be for nothing but my dad in particular so my dad was a field worker at the age of five until about 12 years old 12-ish and then he started to work his way up in grocery where he would unload melons off, like those huge grocery trucks wow. with his buddy like as a kid this was his upbringing and he was he didn't have a choice to do any of this because my grandpa had a terrible his dad had a terrible work accident and there wasn't disability insurance at the time so he couldn't work so my dad and his seven siblings had to work in the fields and my dad got to the point where he was like who would this anymore like I need to get out and like grocery is a very laborious career like you are working really hard with your hands constantly and uh, my dad worked his way up in grocery and he he just his sacrifice and love for his kids is so beautiful to me especially like in like the latin cult community because there's like this stereotypical thing we see in movies and shows like you know like latin dads are like disconnected or could be like not involved with the family totally totally and my dad's like the total opposite of that and I just like I had so much like love respect and admiration for my dad and like I never forget his story because it's motivation for me to get more for myself and more for my daughters so and it's it's just one generation like I couldn't even imagine growing up at three five years old picking walnuts in a field all day carrying these buckets like that's it blows my mind so it's that's when I say like my family story is like a story of sacrifice and overcoming but it's also like how much can change in a generation too which is like to me inspiring oh my goodness that 
is so true. And I feel like I don't want to get inside you felt, but I think when you hear these stories, when I did, there was a sense of pride when I heard them. And it was like, damn, those are my parents. Like, you know, they did that, that power, that fearlessness, that resilience, that all the amazing things, that wisdom is all instilled in us. And that's why we're so amazing. But no, I think it's really, it's, it's almost like a powerful moment when you learn about where you come from because you realize there's so much power in who I am, so much power in my generational, my ancestors and where I come from. It's power, generational power. I, I couldn't agree more, Jasmine. And for my, my dad in particular, he, seeing how strong and resilient he is, like has changed my definition of success. I, of course, I want financial security for my family. Like, I think everybody does. But like, my, I, my idea of success is family, is pr- like coming together, is like putting your family first, is sacrificing for your family. Like, at, we, we work for our family. You know what I mean? Like, at the end of the day, everything comes back to family. And I think seeing how my dad's life has played out, he just really instilled that in me. Mm. I love that shout out to the papis and the mommies in the world (laughs) for all their sacrifices and and bringing us here and I recently talked about that too like I just everything that I do is to not just build that family that I I, you know always craved and one day I will get there not now but I think (laughs) for for me too everything that I do is to show my parents that their sacrifice was not in vain, like, girl, I'm sure you're hearing these stories about your dad and you're like, I cannot imagine as a kid doing that. Same thing, I cannot imagine moving to a country, being pregnant with five little kids running around. By, like, I, I will never understand how my mother did it all by herself. I'll never understand my father going on a train to the U.S. and, like, seeking a whole different life. Like, I'll never... I just will never understand how they felt, what they went through, the experiences that they had to fight through. I, I would never, could never understand it. And I, what I do understand is that they did it all because they saw a better life for us. And I think that's what I hold on to. And that's what I'm, I'm, I'm just going to try to make them proud every step of the way and show them that they, it was just not in vain, everything that they did. I want to speak for your parents, but I'm sure you're making them very proud, Jasmine. (laughs) (laughs) They are. They are. I think I told that to your mom, right? I was like, you must be so proud of Kristen. (laughs) (laughs) Why did I feel feel like a viejita in that moment? I felt like an old lady. I was like, oh, you should be so proud of your daughter. Oh, my God. (laughs) It was the funniest moment. For context, I went to Kristen's family party, and I just was like, gassing her up to her whole family but this is i'm just so obsessed with this this whole like episode and just listening to you and i want to talk about kristen she's growing up navigating these spaces navigating her identity let's talk about kristen in her 20s when she starts to own her identity and it starts to kind of become clear this is who you are how do you i want to be careful with how i ask this and really intentional how do you, how have you stepped into your Latinidad? How does, how does that manifest itself? 
on a day-to-day basis? Oh, no question on here is easy, Jeff. <laughs> For the record. <laughs> you're about to scare every single person who's going to be a guest. <laughs> No, I mean, but I mean, you're going for vulnerable and I think you're hitting the mark. So like, (laughs) there's that. Oh boy. I think it's just the confidence of talking about it more. I think when I didn't identify more as a Latina, I would avoid the subject at all costs because I didn't want to be caught up in like, I don't know what I'm talking about or like, who does she think she is? And I would like abort, abort conversation. But now, like, (laughs) literally, that was where my mind went. But now, like, when conversations come up, you know, I don't see my lack of knowledge as a disadvantage. I see it as an opportunity to learn and connect and show that I am engaged in, like, knowing more. And, like, when you know more, you do better. So I don't, I I guess my, my mind shift, my mindset has shifted in the fact that, like, I don't see it as like a disadvantage where I'm at. I see it as an opportunity to learn and lean in. And I don't shy away from that anymore. Where I used to like be so scared, like, oh no, they're going to find out I don't speak Spanish and I'm a fake Mexican. (laughs) Oh my God, that's beautiful. Yeah, and and being like, and like pushing on things too, like stereotypes. Like I'm much more comfortable doing that as well. So I just think, it's just having like pride and leaning in is how I've stepped into owning this more. Yeah. And thank you for that vulnerability too. Cause I know it's not easy to say like you wanted to avoid the subject at all costs and you were like abortion, like get me out of here. I don't know where all these um, mission critical abort stuff is coming from, but like that's my vibe today. In a past life, Kristen was living her best mission critical life. But I, that's so, it's so real though. And I, I just like want to applaud your vulnerability because I hear it from my partner all the time where he's talking about sometimes he feels like a sellout when he meets these Latino clients or tenants and he's doesn't know how to relate to them or talk to them. Uh-huh. And I think it's just a really vulnerable place to be. And I appreciate you saying this is an opportunity though to step into that. And when you said just owning, like just saying you're Latina, like, girl, my my stomach just like had all these butterflies because it's so it's so beautiful to see the community being the community, you know, and like, look at her. She's on a podcast called Hella Latina and she's <laughs> talking about her story. And I just think that's just so beautiful. And you were talking about your daughters at one point. I want to switch gears. Kristen in her 20s talking and owning her Latinidad to now Kristen being a mother and passing down no, the, the tamales, <laughs> passing down the recipes, <laughs> passing down all the beauty that is the Mexican-American culture. Talk to me, girl, about motherhood and all of that. <laughs> girl, how much You're like, where do that? I start? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. I... Whew. Okay, let me take one step back real quick. Sean, my amazing husband, uh, we got married when I was 24. And we spent some time just being married because we wanted to be super intentional before we like family planned and financial security, emotional intelligence. Like we worked on all that stuff before we started having children because I think it's very common in the Latin community to like, 
Okay, so when you have Pop a baby. them out, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So we wanted to have some time, you know, being married before we started having kids. And then 2020, we decided to start trying. And it's like the funniest joke of our marriage because we're like, what do they say about 20? Hindsight is 2020. <laughs> it's just so funny. We felt it was so right, but the world thought differently. <laughs> Lord. I had a super traumatic pregnancy and birth. I mean, just the high level version of it was I didn't even know I was pregnant. It was the start of the pandemic, like truly the start, which when we went into lockdown for the first time. And I was, I had all these symptoms and I actually thought I had COVID. And I went to the, do- the doctors and he's like, I told him my symptoms. And his first question was like, have you taken a pregnancy test? And I'm like, there is no way. <laughs> no way. No, no, I haven't, but no. And he's like, let's just like check it off the list. Let's try. I was like, okay. So I'm like, I was replying to emails on my phone thinking like this, what a waste of time. Cause I know this isn't, this wasn't going to happen. And he comes back in and he's like, with positives. And then my first response, Jasmine was like, you wouldn't, you wouldn't lie about that, would you? And he's like, oh no, doctors don't lie about this kind of stuff. There's a lot of liability. <laughs> like oh my goodness okay that was a bad question on my part but you could just see my state of mind and like shock like what so 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 in early in the pregnancy we found out there could be some genetic possible problems and it was literally an emotional roller coaster I have a post about it on LinkedIn if anyone wants to deep dive into the story but I got all these issues led to me getting severe preeclampsia and having to deliver Isla three months early, which I think preterm, preterm labor is more common now, but three months early is significant. That's a whole trimester of not developing in the womb. So it was just like such a scary time. And the emergency C-section was like awful and scary. And we didn't even hear Isla make a noise right when she came out. It was like silent. Fortunately, glory to God, she cried. But they ran her to the NICU room so fast. I didn't even get to hold her. And it was just, it was honestly like I was having an out-of-body experience. It was all happening so fast and it felt like it was happening to someone else. So Isla was in the NICU. She was born at two pounds and one ounce, very, very tiny. And she was in the NICU for um, 63 days. So not the way anyone would plan to like start their family. So I think having that experience, and I think this in so many parts of my life, but I think it's through adversity, you know, we see what we're capable of. And it's like, I read this the other day and I I wish I knew who said it. I'm going to find out before you post this podcast so we could give credit to where I do. But it says, everybody wants a breakthrough, but no one's willing to be broken. And Jasmine I had never felt more broken in my life in those moments when the delivery, I was a mom, but I, I couldn't do anything for my baby. I couldn't even hold my baby when I wanted because she was in the NICU. And then when it came time for her to come home with me, I was terrified of her. I just thought like, oh my God, I'm just a first time mom. Would you, you trust me with her? She was so tiny and like her cries were so delicate. And, but again, through these adversities, like, no, like, we think we want this perfect life, but it's in these moments of hardship that it's like, 
these connections are formed, these strength is built. And through this adversity, I have such a strong connection with my daughter. I just like love and adore the shit out of this little girl. She is just like my whole world. And it's hilarious too, because she's like the epitome of a daddy's girl. Like she cannot get enough Sean. And I promise you, I promise you, when she's old enough, I'm going to tell her, daddy wanted a boy. Mommy wanted a girl. <laughs> so love me more. <laughs> I'm not bitter. <laughs> so funny. Oh, like, my little Leo they, girl. Yeah, she is Leo 100%. But I love that. I honestly love that about her, Jasmine, because... When I was growing up, I was taught, you know, children were to be seen and not heard. And because having an upbringing like that, I'm a huge, huge rule follower. Like, I, I don't like to make a ruckus. I, do, I did as I was told. And seeing my little fiery, Leo, rambunctious, sassy girl, I am so proud. I could not be a more proud mom because she's going to need it for the future. And I don't want to discourage that in her at all. So... It's, it's just like parenting, one, it's not for the faint of heart. <laughs> it is the most, it is the most beautiful moments you could ever imagine. And then it could also just bring you to your knees. Mm. But it's why I told the story of us being super intentional about bringing, expanding our family is because parenting is really hard. And I don't think it's talked about enough. And mm. it takes courage to do things differently it'd be one thing to be like oh this is how i was raised and this time i'm gonna raise you but like i just told you i was raised in a way that would like do as you're told and i don't want that for my daughter so i'm trying to just break more generational cycles in the fact that like you know your emotions are valid you have an opinion you you could do whatever you have no limitations you're they don't your limitations don't define you. What you do in spite of them defines you, baby girl. And I just, you think about all the values and skills you want to give your kids. So it takes a lot of intentionality and just honestly strength just to persevere and continue because like, you know, all that they could have. The world is their oyster. <laughs> the world is their oyster. Oh, I just went on my mom rampage, Jasmine. <laughs> I am here for it, first of all, because I think, you know, one thing that I love about you and your story and your openness with her, your pregnancy and your journey of being a mom is that I think maybe every woman deals with a certain level of struggle, of of questions of, I don't know if I could do this or this is really hard or moments where they're broken. And I think, and I, and I speak for a lot of the women in my life, a lot of the Latina women in my life. I feel like Latinas are also expected to be the strong ones and to not show that you're broken and to just, you know, act unbothered, act like nothing phases you and just be strong. And I think of when I'm hearing this story, I think about my mother, my sisters, my tias, my sister-in-laws. I think about all of their journeys as mothers and I, I'm almost just wondering, I'm like, are they okay? Did they have their moments where they were broken? And I think sometimes there's a stigma. And I, we talk a lot about men and showing vulnerability. I think Latina women have an equally 
equally same like experience and struggle of showing vulnerability. And I think that's why I'm like, start your podcast, Kristen, because there's there's not enough spaces where women, women of color, women from our backgrounds, where they can talk about this. And I'm curious for you, I mean, I'm sure being vulnerable about this is not easy either. What what inspired you to start talking about your journey of being a mom and your journey of giving birth? When I was going through all the stuff during my pregnancy, I felt so isolated. And I felt like when I brought up how I really felt in situations, even in safe spaces, I felt like I was burdening people with like, oh, I can't be in a bummer. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? I was bringing down the vibe. And I just, like, if I could go back in time, and I, don't, I actually don't think I would change how I was brought into this world. Because like I said, it has formed a connection between us that is, like, truly forever. But if I could change one thing about that time period in my life, I would have been more vocal about how much I was struggling. Because when we, when we put power to words, you find community. And just in like some conversations I had after, after I came back from work, a lot of women oh, and men struggle. It's such a huge life transition. And it's, it, even if everything goes right, it's still really hard. And you talk about identity, you talk about a huge identity shift. Like Sean and I had multiple conversations. Like before we were just Sean and Kristen. Now we're Sean and Kristen, but we're also mom and dad. So like, what does that look like in our family house home dynamic? So I, there's so much, I had, you know, we've had conversations about this. I have a strong pull towards this. And I just think society hasn't provided the cover for especially women. Cause like miscarriage is so incredibly common. Infertility problems are so incredibly common, but we're not talking. I mean, I think we're getting to a point where we talk about it a little more. And it's like, it's on everyone's radar, but it's not to the point where it's like, tell me more because I really want to understand your journey and what you've been through. So there's, there's a lot of work to be done there. And <laughs> I mean, now that Jasmine's called it out into the universe, I have to do it. <laughs> As it is, this is like everyone who's listening, please send all the good energy to Kristen. <laughs> I want to, I know we're approaching time and I want to ask you a few more questions. One what do you hope that every new mother or soon-to-be mother or woman out there thinking about a potential family, what is one thing that you want to tell them as they start to transition into this new chapter of their life? Oh, oh my gosh. Again, how much time do we have? <laughs> I, Ten minutes. Wow. Just kidding. I, you're like, girl, wrap it up. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. No, no, no. <laughs> I, there's so many things. I literally would want to just have a conversation with anybody who's willing to have a conversation because it's such a pivotal moment in your life. But things I think to keep top of mind as you make this huge life transition is every experience is unique and valid. Don't feel like you have to justify anything. So if you feel away, you feel away and like lean into it. Don't, don't shy away from it. And like you're, your past doesn't have to dictate your future. I think, you know, for me personally, like I shared with you before we even started recording, it was scary to get pregnant the second time because I never knew if I'd be 
mentally ready to possibly go through what we went through again. But I'm having faith that like, you know, God, if it's meant to be, it'll meant to be. And like, you're going to have us covered. Like we already, we went through that. We've learned from that and we're ready to like move to the next chapter of our lives. So just knowing that like every experience is different. Past doesn't dictate your future. And just this one's really hard, but it's real, real. I don't think motherhood completes you. And I think that's something we hear a lot. And I think when you don't feel that, that like, oh, I'm, I know who I am now. I'm so complete. I figured out my legacy. You feel even worse. But no one in your life should complete you. That's putting way too much expectation on anybody. Your, your spouse, your parents, your kids, no one should completely you. You are responsible for your own happiness. And as moms, we have a tendency to like give, 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 give. You have to be really intentional about taking care of yourself because you don't want to become resentful, right? So I think those are like hard truths. And I think some people might even be a little bothered by hearing those, but it's, it's the real, real. And I think it's better to have these honest conversations and have these expectations versus like, it's going to be easy. All you're going to do is glow. You're going to love your children. It's like, you know what I mean? Because then when that doesn't happen, you feel horrible. So I think just like really changing the narrative and supporting women and men in this transition is like, it's honestly mission critical, Jasmine. Mission, mission critical. critical. <laughs> Thank you, Kristen, for sharing the real, real. And I was just going to ask you and you answer my question of how does it feel the second time around? <laughs> It's exciting. It's terrifying. What I'm most worried about right now is just like the sleep deprivation because it's, oh my God, girl, it's, it's crazy how your body still just knows what to do, but you are so tired. And I think what's scarier this time is, and this made my pregnancy just physically more challenging is, so shout out to your mom for having five little ones and being pregnant. I'm on the struggle bus with one little one and pregnant. It's a lot. Because when you have your first, girl, you can nap whenever you want. If you're not feeling good, go take a nap. Have some snacks. Take care of you, mama. When you have more than one, it's like, oh, no, no, no. You're last. I'm dead. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, my yeah. goodness. Oh, man. I just think it's so beautiful, Kristen. You're going to have another baby. And I have to tell everyone this story. My favorite <laughs> story. So pre-pandemic, and I'm talking like, a week before I feel like the pandemic hit. Kristen and I had brunch together along with two other friends. Shout out to Jen and Brandon. <laughs> but we had a brunch and I remember we were going through each of our life updates and Kristen said, we're going to try for a baby. And we were like, oh my God, like she just announced she was trying. And she goes home, she does her thing. And then a few weeks later, she's like, "That's her. hey girl, I'm pregnant. <laughs> And I love this story because I'm like, this girl did not really try that hard. She feel like it happened instantly. And I'm just, those Latina genetics are crazy. But there's something there to be studied for sure. <laughs> something has to be studied there. But it's my favorite story because I'm like, Kristen, trying for like two weeks is crazy. <laughs> we are getting vulnerable here, aren't we? I were getting very vulnerable. For but sure. I had well, to share just, that story. <laughs> I feel super blessed, but I don't want to disregard 
the families that try for months, years, you know, like I said, infertility is is so different for everybody. And I hope, you know, if anyone's listening and they're trying to expand their family right now and they're having a difficult time, might honestly just hang in there because it's it's gonna be so worth it in the end, I promise you. Not that it will complete you, like I said. <laughs> it will be worth it. Should I get that in your mind. <laughs> Mental health, that. right? Mental health. I love that. <laughs> Oh, Kristen. And if you want to hear more about her journey on motherhood and her story, LinkedIn is a great place to go. We both work there. So shout out to LinkedIn. Shout out to LinkedIn. Um, <laughs> but I want to do one last thing that I do on the show. And this is the way to close it out. I do a little brindis, but I do it with a coffee because free branding. Um, but we're going to do a brindis with our coffee or water. Um, I or have whatever green you juice. Is that okay? I'm trying to get healthy. It is. I was going to say, wait, actually, you can't drink anything because you're pregnant. I was going to say, did you bring wine? But let's close this out with the brindis. And I want to give you the space, Kristen, to say what you want to cheers to. And what do you want to manifest for our Latino community, our Latina mother community, our community in general? <sighs> well, first and foremost, Jasmine, I want to cheers you. I honestly, I'm so big sister proud of you. I think you are out there doing the work, living the authentic life, making people, when we know who we are, there's just like a confidence to our self-worth. And you are, you are helping people like meet true life happiness and comfortability. So like, just keep doing what you're doing. And I'm so proud and honored to be your friend honestly like from the bottom of my heart what I wish for the community is we continue to lean into who we are so for our future generations it's just that much easier for them and that we just become a bigger and bigger community of acceptance um you know it's funny it's like I think just even maybe a decade ago it was like you know you should be tolerant of other cultures and people and walks of life. And that has slowly progressed to like, you know, we're acceptance of everything. And I hope, you know, even for Isla's generation and my future daughter's generation, that it's even more than acceptance. It's like, maybe it's straight up love. Like, I just want this community to lean in because like, we're here. <laughs> we are here. And Kristen, you know I'm a sensitive-ass gangster, and you're getting me all emotional because that's such a beautiful thank you for the the shout-out, and thank you for that generational manifestation of beauty. So, cheers, girl. Salud. Cheers thank you for you. being here. Thank you for having me. <laughs> Y'all go connect with Kristen on LinkedIn and let her know how dope she is. And also say a congratulations because baby is on the way. I'll see y'all next week for more Cafecito and Chisme. For all Hello Latino updates, follow Hello Latino Podcast on Instagram. You can also follow me on my personal Instagram at ojasmine with four A's and find me on LinkedIn. Check out my website, odalisjasmine.com for more information. Y con muchísimo amor, tu amiga hondureña.